Good evening. Welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library. My name is Vivian Fisher, and I manage the African American Department here at the Central Library. And if you haven't had an opportunity, you need to go down and look at our gorgeous facility over in the annex. We've been there only 11 years. So this evening, we have a special guest, Drs. Serena and Jordan. Now, some people take the most circuitous paths to get to their passions. Serena Jordan is one of these people. Her career began in information technology and financial services. Her, her last job in this career was in 2003 as assistant vice president and business consultant for SunTrust Bank in Atlanta, Georgia. After all of the research and prayer required to bring her husband and herself through health crisis that at different times left them both near death, she changed directions. Since that time, Dr. Jordan has completed a master's and doctorate in holistic nutrition. She has published four books. Her latest book, The Seven Disciplines of Wellness, The Spiritual Connection to Good Health, will be discussed this evening. She also runs her own business, Zima Health, a whole health company providing wellness solutions for individuals, corporations, churches, and government. Dr. Jordan is a tireless advocate for public health policy. She and her husband, Herbert Jordan, a 17-year cancer survivor, have an adult daughter, Roxanne, and they are raising a soon-to-be three-year-old granddaughter. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Serena and Jordan to the Pratt Library. Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. I'd like to thank you all for coming. It is so good to be back at the library. I'd like to thank Ms. Vivian Fisher and Ms. Faith Edmonds for um, all their assistance. It's been really great. It's good to see you too, Ms. Stokes, for your support. Uh, this is a wonderful library, and if you can come back sometimes when they're open, uh, it's a wonderful historic experience. You walk in and it's just the aura. It's just incredible. So it's a piece of history that I would definitely recommend that you partake of. Um, I'd like to just acknowledge a few people that are here. Um, first of all, there is a story in all of us. And I think it would be really good to have anyone that has published a book uh, to stand. But there is a story, we all have one, and let me just see the hands of how many people have considered, thought about, or said, I have to write a book. Look, look, look at each other, look at that. Is that amazing? Yeah, okay. So hopefully by the time we finish this chat, and definitely by the time you finish reading The Seven Disciplines of Wellness, you're going to really rethink that and get it going, okay? I promise you're gonna rethink that. So um, thank you again all for coming. When you have, um, one of the things that when you complete the book, you will have a clear understanding of how to draw the line with what I call in the book, uh, the disease culture. And um, I guess before I go there, let me just tell you why I wrote the book. 
One of the things that I experienced in my years of holistic nutrition and counseling is that people think it's just about fruits and vegetables oftentimes, and you find real quickly that it's beyond that. If it were, if it were just about fruits and vegetables, we'd all be doing it, right? Right. So part of what's in the book is my personal story. My husband is my poster child. Wave your hand, dear. <laughs> uh, my good and perfect gift. And so uh, it's that. And it's also the whole idea of there has to be something that helps us sustain these new behaviors that we want to to adapt in order to be healthier. There's more to it than just fruits and vegetables. There's more to it than just that um, New Year's Eve resolution that tends to dwizzle, dwindle, dwindles away uh, before February 1st. <laughs> and we're like, what happened? So, uh, and then comes the guilt because we didn't do the New Year's resolution that we had planned. And then it's just snowballing after that. And then we come to December 31st again and we make another one. And so it's kind of uh, one of those things that's a perpetual cycle. So what I want to do with this book is is that. Now, the other thing is, you may or may not, when I was, in a, when I was a, a child, we lived in a very small town, and from time to time, there would be this big tent, like a, a revival meeting or something that would happen, and someone would bring a big tent, and then there would be an out-of-town out minister that would come, and he would um, talk about you know, salvation, he would talk about making changes in your life and how to do differently. And one of the things that I remember about it was that it was a neutral territory for all churches. It, it kind of made it ecumenical, so you could just go and feel good about going. Well, what this book does, this is a revival. It's kind of like that big tent. It's kind of like everybody can come to it. Everybody can get something out of it. And it reminds us of some things that we already know, but it just puts it on a different peg in our brain to hang it on. And hopefully will give us an, uh, a set of antidotes or whatever, just things to remember that if, you know, you do, then it will begin to make those sustainable changes in your life and you can kind of go from there. Now, there are seven disciplines. And um, if you try to implement all the seven disciplines at once, um, I pray for you. <laughs> okay, but the whole idea is it, it, it will navigate you through each one of them, and you can pick one of the seven and then go from there. And that's the, the good part about it. The book is such that it's, you can read it through. It's also a good reference because it's indexed as well. So you will be able to use it for multi-purpose and also share it. You can just go back to it. So what was I supposed to do with those vegetables or whatever? You can kind of see or which ones were organic and which ones don't have to be. You can kind of get in it from, from there. Okay. So what I want to do is just um, just talk a little bit about them, and then I'm going to read a couple of passages, and then we'll open up for questions. I have some cards that at the end I'd like you to, uh, when you're ready to buy your book, if you could – Write down what name you want to want to be put in it. If you have a special message you want to put in it, if it's a gift or something, then you can write what that person's name is. And when you get to uh, get to me, then I'll know exactly what to do, and we can um, make it so that it's perfect for you. 
The seven disciplines of wellness is meant to fill the void left by that big tent revival, like those revivals you have. You have to press your way to get under the tent. You will have to press your way to read this book. The enemy of God will not make reading this book easy uh, because it piques his game, really, uh, which is the game of how to just get you to destroy yourself. So there's going to be a lot of things that will happen. I know uh, some people have lost the book or misplaced the book uh, so they couldn't get to read it or they um, just they're so busy or they fall asleep just before they pick the book up or there's something else. Some, some things always um, take its place. You ever remember, do you ever experience having uh, a friend you haven't seen in a long time and your lifestyle is such that, wow, you really want to see them, but you're on such a, you can't seem to fit them in. It's just one of those things. But you know that the value of that relationship is so important until you have to stop everything and say, I have to make time for this situation. And so that's one of the things that I think you're going to have to do with this book. If you really want to make a change and you really understand that you need to be well and that being well is not going to to be possible if some changes aren't made in your life, then we're going to have to sit down and spend some time with this book. It's not that this book is this, you know, the best thing in the whole wide world, but it's a good start. And sometimes, and we talk about it in this book, the fact that when you're in a culture, which I'm going to define this disease culture, but I think you can start feeling what that means, is that it's very easy to get confused because we have today a fire hose of information on us all the time. And it's confusing information. One day vitamin C is the best thing you can do. The next day vitamin C is a killer or can be so toxic until it scares you away. The same thing with vitamin E, all kinds of messages. One day, you know, cholesterol is good. The next day, cholesterol is bad. Coconut oil is not so great one day and it's the best thing to do the next time. So there's so many mixed messages. But what this book does, it says, okay, what should we have been doing Anyway, and what did our creator, God, the father, have in mind when he made man and woman? What was the original diet? God created nothing that wasn't sustainable. So based on that, we need to understand what he intended us to do in order to sustain our health. So he created us. And immediately, based on scripture, took us through a tour of the garden. Not the pasture, but the garden. And he said, you can have all this. Eat all this. And he actually called vegetables and plants meat. So he said, this is what I want you to do to sustain yourself. And of course, we know water is also very key. In Genesis, the first chapter one and two, it says, and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the deep. Well, what was the deep? Water. So everything he did after that, those six and a half days after that, was based on his use of water. So then as as children of God, we want to understand that we need to ingest water and that most of our body is water. So we want to make sure that we do that, right? Okay, so that's a piece of it. So 
sustaining us. So then he said, you could have everything except this one or two things over here. This one particular tree I want you to stay away from. And someone may say, well, why did he even put that there if we weren't supposed to partake of it? Good question. One of the things he gave humans is he gave us the ability to choose, to make decisions. He made us mind, body, and spirit. And so in our mind, we have the right to make choices. So our forefather and mother didn't make such a great decision. They decided to go where he asked them not to go. But if you look at the story, um, that was the point, that point of disobedience, not a great decision, is when we begin to lose our health, when we begin to lose that connection, that spiritual connection to God. And so what happened was, based on that trinity that we know about, there, that was the reconciliation that happened. Christ came and became human and reconciled us, became that bridge for us. So based on that, we can now go to the Father. We have that relationship mended. And so everything he intended us to have, good life, good health, provisions, the ability to now make better choices, all those things are available to us. Now, the enemy of God would not like you to know that. So just like he appealed to Eve, and if you look at that, in, in the book we talk about how he not only appealed to her stomach, saying, you know, this piece of fruit is the bomb. He also appealed to her intellect. He said, this is, um, you know, one of those things that are going to make you super intelligent. You're going to know as much as God. You know, you're going to be it. This is great. And then, you know, share this with, with your beau. So, your man. <laughs> so, so, when he did that, then, um, sh- you know, he, he really appealed to her trinity. So, the book points out that we're a reflection of God, which means we're God, you know, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're mind, body, and spirit. We are not independent of God. We are dependent on him, but we are a trinity as well. So one of the things that has happened in our society, and this is what we mean by a disease culture. It's a lifestyle that's supported by society that, that actually allows us to make our own choices, to, to um, prop us up when we become sick, when we want to have behaviors that are abusive to our bodies and still help us keep going. So we limp along, but the culture says it's okay. And the, the road to the disease culture is so big until we become herds. So if most people are doing it, then it must be okay. So then we all end up sick because it must be okay because most people are doing it. And then you have the, the, the media, you have all the other organizations that kind of help support that. And then you have the medical modality or or field that has to kind of prop us up in some way. I mean, that's not what they went to school for. They were more of, you know, caregivers and people that really wanted to help. And what they end up doing is supporting our decisions and our bad choices and abusive behaviors. So anyway, that's pretty much what a disease culture is. So in a disease culture, it's very easy then to get us to get on that path of not really caring for ourselves because if something happens, then it'll, it's fixable. So whatever it is, you know, somebody has a cure. 
So if you can't grow nails, you can buy nails. If you can't, you know, get your blood pressure down, we can medicate it. If you can't get your blood pressure up, we can medicate it. We, if you don't want to exercise, it's okay. You know, and if things don't move right, then we can help fix it. We can shoot you with cortisol. We can do all kinds of things to make things squeak along okay. But is that really, really what the creator had intended for us? Will we ever really experience the real reason that you became you? In the book, we talk about the fact of how unique and valuable you are to the creator, to God, and what he intended for you to do, and the provisions he made for you to be who you are. In order to experience that, We need more than just habits. We need discipline. Habits can be bad or not so good or or good. But discipline goes another step and say, I will. It requires a decision. It requires work. And then within that, those disciplines can easily become a habit and ultimately a lifestyle. So it it really kind of gets a little smoother as we go. I'm just going to highlight the seven disciplines. So that's the first few chapters of the book. I just kind of summed them up there. The bottom line is that it's the, the motivating factor for being well and for being able to stick to it is that spiritual connection, that spiritual relationship that we have with God the Father through Christ. That's really what this book is saying. Now, the seven disciplines... The first one is to pursue primary care. And that basically covers the essentials of wellness. Because God cares for me, I can care for him. I can care for others and myself. And so one of the things that does take you through is the idea of forgiving self, forgiving others, and understanding what your purpose is, what your position is with God the Father. So that whole relationship piece is is what's being talked about in primary care. So primary care, even though we use it in another way in our society, but primary care is basically love. It's authentic love, which can only come from God. The second discipline is to maintain good communications. And that's basically your prayer life, how you focus on that relationship and how you maintain that relationship with God the Father. The prayer framework is is outlined there. It's uh, the way we actually approach a prayer life on a daily basis. For example, we not only um, go in gratitude, but we also go for healing. And so every day, if you think about your 100 trillion cells in your body, and every cell is a little person, we talk about that a little bit, every cell is a little person. Every cell in your body is a reflection of a whole person. It breathes, it eats, it throws off waste, it hears, it speaks, it feels. So think about yourself as a little mayor of 100 trillion cells 
that you need to maintain, you need to feed, you need to provide for. That's a very powerful position if you think about it. In our disease culture, we look for power. We are very impressed by people who have power. We want power and we like being next to power. But if you think about how powerful you are yourself, you don't have time to chase other people because you're just trying to control those 100 trillion cells in your own body, which takes a lot of work. But they have an expectation and those cells also need confidence in you. And when they don't have confidence, you can tell. You start not feeling well. You start aging before time. You start feeling bad. Okay, but when those cells have confidence in you, and when you say the right things, when you say, we are going to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, when you say something like, every day in every way I'm getting better and better and better or if you say every day in every way we're getting better and better and better if you say you know what we're going to have a good day your cells hear everything you say and so you want to begin to take care of those cells in your body you don't want to say you know every time this year I get the worst cold I just feel lousy well what you just did is let every cell know to make sure next year <laughs> you get that bad cold because your cells in your body want to please you. And so whatever you say as mayor goes. So you want to begin to look at those 100 trillion cells and tell them how wonderful they are and how grateful you are that they all want to cooperate. So that's part of that maintaining the good communications. It's your prayer life, how you feel about yourself, and making sure those cells are working. And then the third discipline is to be intentional about life. And what we mean by that is to avoid distractions, to avoid, avoid addictions, remember our value to God, and know the provision for fulfillment and completion. There are some things in life that need to be done that only you can do. You know, we're real big on you identifying each other with our unique fingerprints. But you know, all those cells we just talked about, they're all unique. Okay, and now they're on to the retina. They figured out that's unique too. But there is no one else like you. You are a designer original, no mold, no copies, just you. And so what we talk about in here is what that means and the fact that you came with a purpose. You know, when you think about Jesus Christ and his ministry of three years, he didn't need to come in flesh if he didn't have a purpose. He was very intentional. It's the same with you. When you came through the womb, you came with a purpose. And so we talk about that, being very intentional in how to avoid getting off track. And then if you do, how to get back on. But there's some very specific things you can kind of see. And a lot of us walk around thinking, I'm going to find my purpose one day. Well, <laughs> it's already here. It's, it's, it's within you. And in the fullness of time, it will surface. It will be very, very clear as we pursue it, as we pursue that relationship with God and the good health that we need, we will all, we'll have the capacity to embrace that purpose. Use common sense is the fourth discipline. Common sense is not that common. How many people have heard that? Okay, I'll tell you why it's not that common. 
in order to use common sense, you need the truth. And the truth keeps moving now. So it's like whoever has the best infomercial, whoever has the most eloquent delivery of their message, whoever looks best, sharp, rich, successful, and all that, then that's who's carrying the truth. But I suggest to you that the truth is based on the relationship that we have with God the Father. The Bible and it speaks of the spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit. That's where truth starts. So as we understand the truth and the word of God, then we can start understanding how to use common sense. Common sense is one of those gifts that we have. Based on the truth, then you can measure everything else that goes on and, and then make your decision. And so just because, you know, for sometimes, you know, we get to the point where we can move from berry juice to berry juice. And we use all the supplements. We can have a $100 supplement bill a month. And we really sacrifice to make sure we can get all these supplements. And sometimes we just need to stand still and say, okay, wait a minute. This all started in the garden. There were no supplements and there was no pharmacy in the garden. And one of the fathers of medicine, Hippocrates, used to say, let your food be your medicine and let your medicine be your food. You've also heard about detoxing. How many people feel like they need to detox? Yes, I need to detox. Well, you know, that's nice. But if we look in the garden and we look at the, the, the nutrients of all the elements in the garden, God had intended for us to detox every day. So there shouldn't be this large piling on of toxins in our body, because, toxins in our body because we can do it every day based on your apple, based on your orange, based on all those things that he already clocked into our original diet. Hmm. Okay, so common sense kind of things. So sometimes common sense means you put on the brakes and you say, okay, what do I know? And where is the truth? And based on that, we go from there. The fifth discipline is to establish a sacred place to live. This one is basically saying your cave or where you call home should be your healing station. And what does that mean? What does a healing station really consist of? And so the book takes you through actually understanding what should go on in each room. There's very, uh, you know, a lot of kind of labs that should be in your house. There's uh, the one uh, we talk about the fact that the realtor and everybody understands, my realtor friend over there, that one of the key pieces of, of, of selling a house is the bathroom and the kitchen, right? Okay, so that's from a business and financial standpoint, but think about it. Food in, waste out. So it's very important that we understand that and then build things around it. The other thing we talk about is being overstimulated by technology, noise pollution. We talk about what colors work for you. For example, if you're having a high blood pressure challenge or someone is hyperactive in your house, you never want to have red around. If you think about red, you look at most of the fast food restaurants and they use red. Red says do it quick, eat a lot, be fast. 
Okay, so those things like that, we, color, we, we cover color therapy. Um, the sixth discipline is move. You know, I thought about calling it exercise, but exercise scares people, so we decided to call it move. And the whole idea is that God intended for us to move. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given us joints and connections and things that allow movement. And there are things about our body, like the, uh, the, the heart is the pump for the blood or circulatory system. But the, the lymph system or the immune system doesn't have a pump. So it, it's based on movement. The center of the immune system, most of it is in the midsection. And if you understand the midsection in our society nowadays, that's pretty much where the challenge is located in the real estate of most bodies. And so if you think about it, then now we can understand why sinuses and all kinds of things can jump us a little faster because the immune system has been compromised. So we need to kind of move to get things going. Talk about all that. Seven, eat and drink real food. Imagine that. We talk about the necessity of understanding that original diet. It's so extremely important. There is a lot of food. There are a lot of things, non-food items in our food supply today. And whether or not we we know it or we know that it's not food, the body knows it. The body has to deal with it. So instead of the body going through a healing routine, it has to stop and deal with this non-food item that we just ingested. Digestion is one of the largest energy drains on the body. And so if we do that, then the body has to put restoring and healing on hold to deal with all this other stuff. So we talk about what that means and how to give the body a break. And then on the other, the last two chapters, um, you know, somebody's probably going to ask, so I'm going to answer this already. Why did you make a chapter called The Soldier's Advance? And it's literally talking about expiring or death. And why would you put that in a wellness book? Well, there's a couple of reasons, but two of them would be. One is that we as a society <clears throat> typically entertain or have the, a fear of death. We don't like to talk about it. It's not, you know, something that we want to talk about. And because the fear which the enemy uses from, you know, having 20 locks on your door to making sure you have everything in place for security systems and you lock your doors and that's great. That's good stewardship. I'm not saying it's not, but sometimes we over, we overdo it. We're so afraid of everything. Some people are afraid of stepping out of their house and uh, when it snows and there's so many things that we allow uh, our life to be cut short and we don't experience because of the fear of, harm and death. And so we need to understand and we talk about the fact that life and death are two bookends. God's got those two. They weren't set by you. Not you didn't schedule those. And so based on that, what you're responsible for is what's between those two bookends. And it's a beautiful experience if we understand that the spiritual aspect of our trinity, mind, body, spirit is really the foundation in which to build the mental and the physical. 
So I'm just going to read one little passage. It's called The Challenge with Eating Right. The typical American diet is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing that we have such a large variety of foods that are reasonably priced, easy to prepare, and taste good. It is a curse, however, almost for the same reasons. In addition to the fact that God's children must refrain from those foods that weaken the body. Our convenient access to a variety of foods make it easy to choose foods that taste good, not necessarily those foods the body needs to be strong. Many foods that are most convenient do not provide the nutritional components the body needs to maintain good health. Dr. Terry Dorian, author of Health Begins in Him, writes, If we are disciplined and enlightened consumers, we will have no need for the majority of the food products offered in American supermarkets. Dorian continues, these are foods that are first devitalized and then filled with chemicals, flavorings, hydrogenated oils, sugar, artificial sweeteners, and dyes. These are the deceptive foods we are told to avoid in Proverbs 23, 1 through 3. Being in the world but not of the world means being within the kingdom of God. This should be a constant reminder that our lifestyle is sustainable based on the love and knowledge of God the Father. The food supply in this world is one that is led by those who agree consciously or unconsciously to the production of food that supports disease and death. These foods contain large amounts of fat, bad fats, sugar, and sodium, which drain energy and increase the risk of heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. The enemy has again taken what God created to sustain us and changed the truth. For example, the bread that is strengthening in in us, according to Ezekiel 4.9, is not the bread most available to us today. Bread today has been stripped of nutritional layers, bleached white, sweetened, and preserved. Yet, we still consume large amounts of it and it is a major contributor factor to diabetes. Real food comes directly from the garden and the farm. Real food should remain close to its original state when we consume it. God made us from dirt. We should consume foods from dirt. We are kin to these foods. Chlorophyll from vegetables is almost identical to human hemoglobin, which makes it an almost perfect food for restoring, cleansing, and strengthening the body. The best meals are those that remain intact when we prepare them. The book also has um, a few really great appendices. It talks about um, how we manage our time so that we can find time to have better habits. Oftentimes, we're so busy until we don't have time to make changes. So we can see that some people have 24 hours and can maximize them better than others. And so what we need to do is kind of take a little snapshot of what it is we do with our time so we can find it. And one of the things that we found is that um, one of the major ways that most people, many people relax is by watching television. And that is not really relaxing, ladies and gentlemen. That's kind of vegging or doing nothing and kind of opening our heads up and letting the culture just pour into us, whatever that is. And we say, oh, no, I have choice because I 
surf. Yeah, that's true. But is it really something that's carrying you forward? Is it really something that's helping you sustain your health and end strong? And that's the whole idea. When we're in between those two bookends, when we get to the expiration, you don't have to be sick to expire. So we need to understand what that means. There was a time years ago when there was no such, you know, there weren't a lot of doctors and people just got old and passed. Now we get old, we get sick, and then we pass. And so something happened in the middle of that. And we talk about what, how we can avoid that, that we can actually finish strong. And when it's time to go, it's just time to go. But it's not because we did something to cause a premature expiration. Okay, there's so many things that would be great to share with you, and I'm not going to. But let me just say this. Living well is not being skinny, handsome, gorgeous, rich, or the picture of health. It's not about fitting into that size 8 dress to attend the high school reunion. Living long is not the same as living well. Embracing God, seeing your value, and knowing your purpose, which is the work God had planned for you to do or to do through you, should be the motivating factors to care for yourself. Falling in love with God through Christ is the stimulus to change. We want to be the best we can be. We want to make him proud. As you grow in your primary care relationship with God, the creator and father, you will see that taking care of yourself by practicing the essential principles of wellness is a must in order for you to accomplish your great work. Taking care of yourself is also demonstrating the love that you love and the love that you have for God and an expression of your appreciation for him making you. You are a one-of-a-kind designer original, never again to grace this world. Living well is your lifestyle. Thank you. Okay, we're okay. gonna we're gonna take some questions. So, who would like to begin first? And please talk into the mic. Thank you. I'm confused about something. I have always pri- I'm, I'm not sure I need this. Oh, okay. Um, I've always prided myself on eating fresh fruits and vegetables, but lately they've been talking about how frozen vegetables are even better for you because they're immediately picked, flash frozen, and they keep the nutrients. Can you give me some insight on that? I'm confused because I love my fresh vegetables and usually consume them within, you know, two to four days. But they're saying by the time we actually get them, they're old and they've lost a lot of the nutrients. Can you give us some insight on that? Okay. Well, one of the things I will say is that uh, there is some truth to that. Um, But what we really want to do is pursue our farmer's markets. And uh, that is typically from farm to your closest to your table as you can get. So that's the freshest way to get it. Uh, Then the flash freezing would be done by some of the food processors, but not all of them. So I would say, um, you know, frozen is definitely... A viable option 
it's not always, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables aren't always available to us, but so that is definitely a secondary option. And a part of the book, it does give you a hierarchy as far as how to do that. We talk about, you know, fresh versus frozen versus canned. And so, uh, but uh, frozen is, in fact, a good option. And canned um, is one of those things you have in your pantry. Uh, It's a staple. You have it kind of in the back because if it snows, (laughs) you need to be able to get to food. Um, So that's it. And also you want to make sure that it's low in sodium, okay, and sugar and all those things. Yes. Thank you. I noticed in your title you had seven disciplines, and I'm sure in writing this book you had hundreds that you could have chosen. How did you whittle it down from the vast number you might have had to seven? That's a good question. One of the things that I realized is that uh, if I had the original 15 disciplines (laughs) that I had started out with, that it wasn't going to be something that we could remember. And it wasn't something that could necessarily be transferred into a behavior. And then seven is the number of completion according to scripture. And so I just kind of concentrated on that. What would be those seven buckets that would help us make you know, sustainable change that we need in order to see the wellness? And so those kind of, I looked at it from that aspect. And so they started falling together in big chunks. And then I had to concentrate on what to name them. Uh, idea of fruits and vegetables. Um, my wife and I are always having a conflict about whether to get food at the farmer's market, which you have no idea how it's prepared because most of the vendors at the farmer's market are not organic, and then going to the grocery store where they have a organic section, but you don't know if the food is a week old by the time it gets to the organic section. So it's do you eat the local stuff and, and gas, or do, you, or do you stay with organic? Okay, that's an excellent question. Um, in the book, we talk about what fruits and vegetables are dangerous from a pesticide and uh, you know, dirty standpoint. Everything does not have to be organic. There is a list of 12, about 12 things, that, uh, 12 fruits and vegetables that you want to avoid. And we also talk about the first one is apple, apples. And the thing that hardens my, that's, that really burdens me sometimes is that when you think about our children, um, that most of them consume apples in some way every day, whether it's large concentrations of juice or apples. And that's one of the dirtiest piece of fruit that you can have from a pesticide standpoint. So that needs to be organic. Uh, so we talk about what 12. Now, the other thing I will say about locally grown food is that when you go to those markets, it's nice to try and, you know, if you go every week or you go frequently, it's nice to develop a relationship with the farmers. And if you become on a first name basis with them, there's very little you won't know about what they do because they love talking about what they do. But the other thing about it is there's something to be said about the the soil be, you know, eating what is resonant in your environment. There's something about the body biologically that resonates with the soil. And so if you eat food that comes from your same region, it seems to be more bioavailable to your body. 
So that's why I would encourage locally, uh, locally grown eating, food eating. Thanks for that question. You had mentioned the canned vegetables and make sure they're low in sodium. And I think I remember reading something in the book, maybe not, that you can rinse them and that gets rid of a lot of the sodium. Does that count for all canned goods or? No, it doesn't really. Um, it does help because it's better to you know get rid of as much as you can, but some of it's going to just kind of be absorbed by it. So it's better to start off with a can that's low sodium than to try and, and recover. But again, you know, if you're stranded and all that's there is this can of high sodium food it, between you and not making it, then I think you better probably go with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi. What are some of the cleanest, safest, fresh fruits that you can eat that don't have all the preservatives and pesticides on it? Um, in the book, they're, uh, they're listed, okay? They're the 12 to avoid, and then there's the, the other whole gamut. So uh, things like kiwi are safe, bananas, things with the skin on are typically okay, but bell peppers are not because of the way in which they're grown and the, the covering that's put on them. So there's some things like that, but they're all listed here in the book, okay? I had a question about gluten. Um, it's a kind of a fad right now to go gluten-free, and it doesn't it doesn't come from the soil necessarily. It looks so sweet, I guess. But if you could speak a little bit about that. And then secondly, I'm also really curious about how you found your purpose as a nutritionist and as a holistic healer. Um, I know previously you had worked in business, and it would just be really beneficial to hear kind of how you made that leap of faith um, and made that transition. So two parts there. Okay. Thank you. The first question as far as um, gluten, it's amazing how all of a sudden we have these gluten intolerances. And what has happened is the crop has actually changed, the wheat crop. It's a lot more dense, and so it has a lot more gluten in it than it did. They used to kind of wave in the wind, uh, and now the crop is shortened, but they're so there's a lot more gluten in it, and we're starting to, our bodies are starting to send a message. So that's the other thing. While we weren't looking, the food supply has changed a bit. So we talk about that also a little bit in the book. Now, as far as finding my purpose, and, in the, and, and I appreciate, appreciate your question, the discipline on being intentional, in the back of the, the chapter, there is a, about 10 or 12 questions that kind of walk you through ways to start identifying the path that you've taken in your life. And one of the things that is so great about God is that all the experiences that you think made no, no sense at all, the closer you get, the dots start connecting. And you realize, oh, you know, that course I took or that situation I had or that book I read or that person I met, all of a sudden they start making sense and start really gelling towards that one purpose that you have. 
so that was one of the things. And one of the things that springboarded my uh, concern was, and, and which is why I want to make sure everybody in the world is healthier and you don't have to experience what I did, so I want to share it. Uh, but poor health was one of the things that made me start thinking about it. And then I realized that I was eating myself to death, basically. Uh, and my body was letting me know. It was between the poor eating and the stress, and the body was just rocking. And so the treatment just took it uh, you know, beyond that um, to the point where I was about to expire. I was at the point where I was not even able to... Um, hold water. I was literally bringing up water. So, you know, you're not going to be around much longer after that. Uh, but what it did for me when I found the person that God sent in my life to help me understand what I was doing and how to restore my body, I said, you know what? There's something to this. And it just triggered. It just kind of clicked with me. It's like, I need to know. And I, got, I just became so curious. And all of a sudden, I'd lose track of time whenever I spent time doing this. And the days would go so fast. And the mo it was just an incredible thing. And so sometimes we'd go on vacation, and my husband would say, okay, can we not take any of those food books? Or can we, <laughs> you know, can we just leave the laptop home? And it was, but that was part of my unwinding. That was, that was the vacation for me. That was just joy. And what you will find is that thing in you, when you grab it, it's not work. It's just something you want to do. And that's what happened. And then shortly after that, uh, he had a diagnosis, and so we were kind of more braced for being able to deal with, with what he had. So does that answer your question? Okay, sure. We'll take two more questions. And in the back, we have books for sale, and you can tell them the price of the book. And she'll be doing sign-up in the front. Okay. This lady has a – you need the mic, man. Yeah, I would like to. Uh, uh, sleep wasn't mentioned in your talk, and I would like to know some of the basic um, information pertaining to sleep normally without having to take medication or something like that to help you to That's get excellent to Excellent question. In the book, we cover Thank sleep you. in two capacities. One, we talk about sleep in the good communication because it's a part of the prayer framework. I suggest that sleep is a prayer posture. It's a very sacred time for you to reconcile and be healed by God the Father every day. That was his intent. So we think that just moving and, you know, moving every once in a while, nothing's going on. But the body is working big time. The subconscious is working big time. Everybody's on task except you're just unconscious because they have to shut you down in order to do their job. So if you're not shutting down properly, then it, the body doesn't get to do its, its work. And you're not making yourself available to God. And one of the ways we don't make ourselves available to God is the way in which we sleep. There's something called sleep hygiene that we address in the book, and then that's also in the sacred place to live that you can look at, and it will definitely help you. There's some studies done by the, the Sleep Center uh, of America, but also we just really outline what does it mean to have good sleep hygiene. And I will tell you, in my years of consulting with people, many people say that they are sleep-deprived and they can't sleep, they have sleep deprivation. And one of the questions I ask them, is there a television in your bedroom? And they say, oh yeah. Okay, so the television is one of the major reasons why America is sleep deprived. 
and it's almost sitting in front of the bed like a god or something, like it's controlling, you know, <laughs> just feeding us. But if you think about being the Trinity and spending time with God and it being sacred and the fact that your body is regulating hormones when you sleep, one of them is burning fat, healing, repairing cells, throwing off waste. These are all cycles that every day the body goes through. And if the subconscious is still awake, well, the subconscious never sleeps. You sleep consciously, but if you're watching television, then the subconscious is engaged. And some people have even admitted to dreaming what's on television because it's going right in, no filters, because you're unconscious. So it's going right in. And then it ends up being a part of our culture, a part of our lifestyle. Oh, I think I've heard that before. I think I've seen that before. Well, not really consciously, but maybe you have subconsciously. So anyway, we talk about uh, things that you can do on the sleep hygiene part. Okay. Last question. Hello. Hello, sir. Um, I just have a question. Do you have anything, do you have any uh, thoughts on soy, soy consumption? Yes. Uh, do you touch on it in the book? I'm sorry. I just... I just kind of came in late. I, just, I don't know if you already talked about it or not or if it's in the no, book. No, I have not. It's just I'm trying to, I, I pause because there's so much I could say about soy, but let me just kind of roll it up. And there is some, some things there. Okay. Uh, soy is um, one of those crops that, you know, is indigenous to, let's say, um, people in the Orient and Asian countries. And it's the perfect food. It's the perfect non-meat protein that a person can have. So that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, it has over the years been seen as one of those wonderful crops. What has happened, however, is that um, genetically modified organisms have, been, have begun to creep into the, the actual crop and, and the supply, and so they're being, it's being adjusted a little bit. However, if it was between that and eating red meat every day, I'd say go with the soy. There is organic soy that doesn't have the GMOs, and so that's what you want to pursue if you can. If you can't get that, then you want to limit the soy to not every day, but maybe a couple times a day. I mean, a couple times a week, and, and go from there. But it's definitely going to be more beneficial than, um, you know, just a solid animal protein kind of diet. It's a great alternative for protein. And let me just answer one other question that's probably in at least five minds right now, and that is if a person has been diagnosed with a malignancy, oftentimes soy is seen as a synthetic estrogen to the body, and so should I pursue it. If your diagnosis says it is estrogen-related, then you may want to limit how much soy you, you ingest. Otherwise, I would recommend it. I have an award-winning barbecued tofu. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let's give Dr. Jordan a great...